Today's show is brought to you by BarkBox.com. Get one free extra month of BarkBox at GetBarkBox.com slash profit. Now, it's time to get profitable. This is the Personal Profitability Podcast with Eric Rosenberg. Hey there, what's up, Profiteers? Eric here for Personal Profitability Podcast, episode number 79. Before we dive in, I want to give everyone a few reminders. And thank you for everyone who leaves reviews and ratings in Apple Podcasts and other podcast listening places. I want to give a shout out. I've actually dug in and found my very first review ever from February 11th, 2015. Carp M said, I liked the podcast and that the information was concise and not rambling. It held me interest and I look forward to the next one. I'm not sure if this person is a leprechaun. It held me interest (laughs) or maybe that was just a typo. But thank you so much for that five star review there. That was awesome. I really do appreciate if you guys leave reviews and ratings. I ask for it every episode. That's the only way I really ask you to pay, right? Just take a minute. It's the cheapest way to support me. It really does help get other people you know, to help listen to this podcast. And, and that's really what it's all about. Also, remember, you can leave questions for me at personalprofitability.com slash ask Eric. You can leave vocal audio questions, voice questions that I will answer right here on the show at the beginning segment before we get into interviews. So thanks for listening. Thanks for reviewing. Thanks for leaving your questions and all that good stuff. So now let's dive in. So our interview today is actually kind of a fun story. You know, when you go to any kind of like team building thing, sometimes conferences and other events, someone on stage tells you to meet the person who's sitting next to you or sitting around you in the room. And you're like, okay, fine, I'll play along. You know, it's it's supposed to be a team building thing. A lot of people don't get that into it. Well, I was sitting towards the back of the room at Podcast Movement a couple months ago, and that is exactly what the keynote speaker said to do. And I turned left and sitting next to me was today's guest, Andrea Clunder. You know, another testament to how conferences are such an awesome thing and how we met. It's just a fun story. Uh, Also, I was going to try. I messed this one up. It was my calendar error. Uh, This episode was supposed to be done for one week ago today because one week ago today is our guest's birthday. So if you could do me a big favor, hop onto Twitter, tweet Andrea a big happy birthday, even though it's one week late. I think it would be kind of fun if she got like hundreds of happy birthday tweets. So if you are on Twitter, just jump on. You'll find her uh, Twitter address in the show notes, and we can wish her a big one-week belated happy birthday, and I think it will be hilarious and awesome. Hopefully we can do that before she even listens to the episode. <laughs> I think that would be great. So anyway, we're just going to dive in and have some fun today because it's someone I met doing something fun uh, in a, at a podcast setting. We'll talk a bit about that and all of the other goodies we normally get into in personal profitability, and we will do that in just just one minute after this. Longtime listeners probably have heard from special guests Yogi and Tribble. Yes, I'm talking about my dogs that bark in the background sometimes, but even though they might speak up when I don't want to hear them on the podcast, they're still part of the family just like the rest of us. So for my dogs, I want to give them the best treats. And that's what BarkBox is all about. For humans, BarkBox is a delivery of four to six natural treats and super fun toys curated around a surprise theme each month. For dogs, BarkBox is like the joy of a million belly scratches. If you want to get one free month, 
head to getbarkbox.com profit and see what your dog might enjoy. You might have a little fun with it too. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I am here on the line with someone who I met in a fun chance encounter at podcast movement. We'll get into that in just a moment. But before we tell the story, we have to welcome today's guest, who I'm excited to welcome. I just said excited like three times. Can you tell? Everyone, <laughs> I have Andrea Clunder on the line. Andrea, are you ready to get profitable? Each and every day. I love it. Every day it should be profitable. Like, you know, every day I'm shuffling. That's a thing. I think still <laughs> every day I'm profitable. I like that. I should make t-shirts that say that. Every day I'm profitable. I should write a rap song like every day I'm profiting or something. I don't know. That's all you. <laughs> <laughs> well, welcome to the show. I'm excited to have you. So your site is the the Creative Imposter. How did you come up with the name The Creative Imposter? I don't actually remember. It was kind of one of those late night things where I knew I was launching a podcast and I knew that it had to do with creativity, entrepreneurship, mindfulness, and imposter syndrome was kind of the central theme unifying everything. And my partner and I were kicking around names and looking up dot coms and URLs and things like that. And I don't remember whether it was he or I who said it first, the creative imposter. And we were like, hang on a second, look it up. The dot com is available. And we were like, that's it. Done. Boom. <laughs> it happened right there. <laughs> so for those who are, are not familiar with imposter syndrome, what is imposter syndrome? Imposter syndrome, originally, I believe that term was coined by a couple of female PhDs who were talking about it in an academic context primarily, but it is an overwhelming feeling that people have of being afraid that you're going to be found out to be a fraud or a fake. So in an academic setting, you can see how that would apply if you are essentially showing what you're worth in academia by publishing papers and writing things and doing research and all of this kind of thing. There's this performance anxiety that can build up of needing to prove who you are and that you deserve to be here in this space. And it can come up with actors, it can come up with entrepreneurs, it can come up with performers. And so it's this feeling that we have or this voice that's in our head that's like, um, you are never going to be as good as that other person. Everyone's going to find out you have no idea what you're talking about. Someone just introduced you as an expert. You're not an expert. Who do you think you are to do this or talk about this thing? So it's these, these usually internal voices or feelings that come up that can either keep us small, hold us back, prevent us from doing the thing or making the thing or trying the thing or stepping outside of our comfort zone. Or it's the voice that we can hear and then use that as fuel to push ourselves a little bit further outside of our comfort zone and try something new. It's like the whole fake it till you make it thing, right? You know, if, if you try hard enough, and this is I actually think this is a really important concept and, and a huge thing for side hustles, which we talk about a lot on the show. You know, if uh, the biggest reason a lot of people aren't side hustling or successful in, in creating some kind of entrepreneurial endeavor or even just trying to fix up their finances, they're often, you know, holding back from that first step. You know, it's day one, dollar one, whatever that first initial step is. And I think a huge part is that psychological factor of imposter syndrome where you're like, well, I'm not really the biggest expert in this, 
So I'm not even going to try. It's just such a, it makes me sad. It breaks my heart to, to know there's people out there who have such potential and they don't unleash it because they're just afraid. Yeah. I mean, there's that whole phrase, like you said, the fake it till you make it. And I've heard that phrase and I've tried to embody it in different scenarios. And then sometimes I really just think, oh, I hate that phrase because if you're, if you're actively doing the thing and making an effort and taking an action and taking a step, are you really faking it? You know what I mean? Like someone else said to me, there's also that phrase that we hear a lot, which is if you want to do B. And I had someone on my show, my podcast, The Creative Imposter, I had somebody who said, actually, if you want to be, do. And as soon as you do the thing, then you you are, you know, if you want to be a podcaster, make a podcast. And now you are a podcaster. Right. It's actually and I started just, you know, basic personal finance stuff when this blog started a long, long time ago in internet years in, in 2008. <laughs> and when I started this site, there were a few others that popped out around the same time who had these big paying off credit card debt stories. Now, if you want to think of like, an example of someone who a lot of people might point at and say, well, you're not really an expert it's be, in personal finance, it'd be someone who's in debt, right? Like, well, look at you. You're in so much debt. Obviously, you don't know what you're talking about. But these people learn something along the way as personal finance bloggers, you know, sharing their story about how they got into debt and now what they're doing to get out of debt. I mean, they became an expert along the way. So even if they didn't start that way, they wouldn't have become an expert unless they had you know, been willing to put themselves out there and make that journey public. I and mean, that makes them the recognized expert. I mean, you could be an expert and no one knows about it. And a lot of people are okay with that. They're happy to be a private expert of something. But if you want to get out there and succeed or profit from something, you have to be willing to take a little bit of that risk and overcome that imposter syndrome or, or whatever it is holding you back and get going. And sometimes I think the bigger or the more colossal or the more dramatic the dip or the failure, if you will, or that dive into debt, the more colossal it is. If you're able to pull yourself up and out of that, then I think that makes you an even bigger expert than someone who's never been there. I get, you're just telling me I'm not an expert in debt because I, I, no. I actually, <laughs> try harder, Eric. <laughs> I, I do have a uh, six figure mortgage right now, so I'm not totally debt free, but I've never had credit card debt. I've never paid a penny of credit card interest. And that is something I'm very proud of. So let's jump to how we met because it's just kind of a funny story. We were at podcast movement and we were sitting in one of the big keynote speaker rooms. I mean, the big keynote speaker room. And one of those keynoters said, meet the person next to you and say hello. And I was staring at my phone when he said that because I was a bad listener. And I heard <laughs> out of the corner of my ear, meet someone next to you. And I looked over and Andrew was sitting next to me. She started telling me about her podcast and her show. I said, oh, you should be on my show. So that's how you ended up here. But what was your journey like from this idea that you had when you registered your .com and got your domain to starting the podcast and getting to a big industry conference like Podcast Movement? I think it's important to know where I came from a little bit prior to that, just to rewind a little bit. We'll Tarantino it. You know, We'll go back to the beginning yeah. <laughs> and figure out how we got to where we are now. <laughs> totally, totally. I wish I could do it in a very visually dramatic way, but we're going to do our best with audio. Prior to being a podcaster, I actually had started my first business in 2008. And I was teaching yoga and meditation. And that was my side hustle for my full time job. My full time job was what I considered to just be a day job really until I 
got my big break or until I figured out this grand thing that I was going to do. And I was working a nine to five job in arts administration in a nonprofit. And it was fine, but it wasn't what I wanted to do. So I started teaching yoga and meditation on the side and got this idea that I wanted to start my own business and that that was going to be the only way out of my full-time job. I was interviewing for other full-time jobs in arts administration, and I just couldn't find anything that felt right. And somebody, a friend of mine was like, oh, maybe you should start your own business. And I was like, nah, I'm not an entrepreneur, you know, (laughs) like, no, that's not for me. She's like, come to this wine and cheese thing at the Women's Business Development Center and just like, check it out. And then here I was, I was like, no, no, I wore jeans to work today. I can't go to the wine and cheese thing. Like I'm wearing jeans. (laughs) (laughs) So I went and they had you take this little quiz. And it was like one of those, you might be an entrepreneur if quizzes. And so I filled out the little quiz and lo and behold, the quiz said that I might be an entrepreneur. So I was like, hmm, let me (laughs) look into this power of suggestion, right? Well, clearly this quiz is the expert. Right, exactly. (laughs) At the, you know, at the free wine and cheese. So I did a little more research. I did some thinking. I took their little five-week jumpstart course and I learned how to write a business plan. And I wrote a business plan for a yoga studio because a yoga teacher's life can be really chaotic because you're usually traveling around to different gyms, different yoga studios, running here, running there. You're making between like $25 and $50 a class. And it's really hard to make a living in that type of work. So I thought, oh, if I have my own yoga studio, then that way I can just be in one place and I can, you know, have all of these other people who are teaching and giving spa services and things like that. And that will be more profitable than me just teaching. So I created this business plan, worked everything out, launched my business, quit my full-time job, borrowed a ton of money from my family uh, to start this business venture. And was growing it, growing it, growing it, decided after two years to expand. I needed more space. So I moved to a bigger location just a couple blocks away with very high hopes and very quickly found myself drowning in the extra overhead that I had created by moving into a bigger space and found myself working so hard just to break even and just to cover expenses and just to pay my staff and just to fix the hot water heater and just all those little business things. Yes, those those things that somehow didn't make it into my my budget just out of sheer naivete, right? And actually ended up having to close that business after five years and then start back at square one. So following that business adventure, I was in debt, thankfully, to my family and not to the bank. But I had amassed a fair amount of credit card debt because for those five years, I had no other income. And I had quickly burned through my savings and had been charging, you know, like groceries on my credit card. You got to eat. If you're going to charge anything, it shouldn't be like vacations and cruises. It should be, yeah, I need to eat. Correct. That is the right time to use a credit card. Correct. It's like you look at the, the credit card bill and you're like... Trader Joe's, Whole Foods, Produce Store, Trader Joe's. That one time I went to the bar because I was really having a bad day, (laughs) you know, whatever it was. And so I had amassed some credit card debt. I had closed my business. I owed my family money. And I was 
no longer had a business, no, did not have a job and was like, okay, what next? And I couldn't quite see the what next because I had sunken into a depression from that and really just didn't want to do anything. I didn't want to get out of bed. I did not want to teach yoga anymore. I did not want to start another business. I sure didn't want to go out and admit defeat to the whole entrepreneurship and get a job. So I was kind of at a loss. And at that time, I had started listening to a lot of podcasts. Like prior to closing the business, I had started listening to some conscious business podcasts and entrepreneurial podcasts and meditation, mindfulness, healthy lifestyle podcasts. And a woman who I did a business coaching with, she had actually recommended to me probably about a year to a year and a half before I closed my studio that I should consider starting a podcast in order to A, build an audience and a network outside of my local Chicago community. Because you'd think, oh, Chicago is huge. Like who needs to build a <laughs> who needs to build a client base or a community outside of Chicago? You should have plenty of people there. But she thought it would be smart to be able to have a bigger following, a bigger audience and to be able to expand my business to not just be a local business, but to be able to build a brand online that was more national and even international. And that was really what she had done. She was also, she also had started out as a yoga studio owner and then had branched out into online courses and coaching and training and travel retreats and writing books. And she has her own eco fashion clothing design line. So though I don't necessarily want to start, you know, like a fashion line or whatever, but her business and like this multifaceted lifestyle brand that she had created was really what I wanted to do. But I just didn't know how to get into that online space at all. And so she had suggested the podcast was one of the first starts for her because she also does have a podcast. And I was like, hey, I don't know about this podcasting thing. I don't know how to do it. You know, I don't... I don't really have the time to invest in that. So then once I had no business, no job, no income, no, <laughs> no more excuses, plan, no more expenses, I was like, let me revisit this podcasting thing because I could see how people were using it to build a community and build a following and build a network and create these really interesting brands and and that was where the idea started. So then at that point, it was just coming up with the idea. And I think the thing that landed for me about imposter syndrome was that I had never really, I had never really struggled with that until closing the business and eventually even filing for personal bankruptcy, which was the next step that I chose for dealing with all of that credit card debt. And uh, as soon as I had done those things, you know, you go to a party or a social situation or something like that. And people are like, oh, what do you do? You know, that's the first. <laughs> What's your name? What do you do? Those are the first two questions. Right? I always think that's such an odd first question we ask people. And I, I'm guilty. I ask the same question, too, because it's just like what you do. But isn't that kind of a strange thing? We're like the way we judge people is on what their job is. There's so much more to life than that. But anyway, that was just a, a random thought. And I've even heard some people say that the reason we ask that without realizing necessarily the reason we ask that is because we do want to know what what relative income bracket people are in because that's how we decide how where we are in relationship to them and how to communicate with them. I don't know if that's true, but I've heard that from a couple of like psychology people. There's probably some subconscious truth to that in the way we interact with each other. 
Yeah. Like we might not be doing it on purpose, but. Right. Yeah. Most people aren't conscious of that. So I don't know if that's true, but I've heard it. And I think it's an interesting theory as relates to like identity and finance and whatever. For a while, I didn't have anything. If people are like, what do you do? The truthful answer was stay at home under the covers as long as I possibly can and try (laughs) try to figure out what I want to do, which is not the right thing to say at a social event or a networking event. (laughs) So I had to come up with something and and I thought, okay, I can say, I'm working on producing a podcast and that feeling of not really knowing who I am and because I didn't have a thing that I was doing, I really started to feel that like, okay, I can't say that I'm an entrepreneur because I don't have a business right now. I can barely say I'm a yoga teacher because I have like two residual clients at the moment, you know? And so everything that came out of my mouth felt fake And I'm like, if I don't have something that I can authentically say that I am or that I do, then then who am I? And so this this imposter syndrome thing, when I started telling people, oh, I'm going to create a podcast about imposter syndrome, they'd say, oh, I think I have that. Tell me more. (laughs) And the plot thickens. (laughs) <laughs> and, the and so that's how I how I landed on that. And from there, it was just a matter of figuring out the how. Yeah, I love that. When you started telling people about it, you were also kind of validating your audience. Because if people are like, oh, I think I have that. I mean, there's proof there's people right there in your day to day life who you're able to help. Yeah. And I mean, I had like five or six ideas for a podcast on different topics. And I would say those things are, oh, hey, I'm starting a podcast about this really specific type of meditation that I do. And people would be like, oh, that's cool. And then they'd like move on to another topic. And then I was like, oh, no, that's not the right topic because nobody cares. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's like when all those different diets came out, like who would have ever guessed paleo and South Beach or something out of like the million diets or the ones people are like, oh, tell me more. But right. I'm um, doing that kind of testing, even if it's informal. I think is an important part of any business because you can't have a successful business unless you have a customer. You know, with podcasts, our our customers essentially are subscribers who we don't charge anything. So they get the best deal of any product out there because we sell it for free. But you exactly. know, when you try to turn on the revenue switches or sell a product or a service, I mean, you, you might think you have the best product ever, but if no one else thinks it's the best product ever, then you won't go very far with it. So by you know, just talking to people, even just you're sharing your ideas, um, you can get some incredibly valuable feedback, you know, for free just by talking to people. Absolutely. And that's one of the things that I do in my business now in terms of products and services beyond creating the the free product, which is the Creative Imposter Podcast, is I have a coaching program called Podcast Envy, where I actually coach and consult and do some training to help people start their own podcasts. And one of the questions I always ask in those sessions is, what are you going to get out of your podcast? And what is somebody listening going to get out of your podcast? Because you need to know both. Because otherwise, you're just making something for yourself, which is fine, but (laughs) may not have the desired result, depending on what you're going for. But you also need to know what someone else is going to get, what they're going to value about what you're creating. And you have to keep that in mind in order to create something that's sustainable and expandable. 
Well, I love that. And I hope everyone goes and checks out the Creative Imposter podcast and website, which is a beautiful website with a nice big picture of Andrea right at the front and top. Um, definitely <laughs> go check that out. If people want to learn more about you, they want to connect with you, where should they go? The Creative Imposter is a good place to start. And you can spell imposter with an O-R or an E-R at the end. Both spellings will work. And also the podcast is available pretty much wherever you get your podcasts. And the social media I'm on the most is Facebook. So you can find me at andreaclunder.creative on Facebook. And those are the big ones. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. And we will have links to all of those goodies in the show notes. Thank you so much, Andrea, for taking the time to chat with us today. Thank you, Eric. Well, there's another one in the bank, my friends. If you want to check in any links, anything we talked about, anything we mentioned, just head to personalprofitability.com slash episode 79, and you'll get all the details there. Thanks again for ratings and reviews and supporting the sponsors and all that great stuff. You guys are awesome. I love all of you. Thank you for making this community as as special as it is. It really means the world to me. and, uh, And I love all you guys. So thank you for sticking around till the end. I hope you are getting excited as the holiday season is arriving. I am expecting a baby any day now. We are on baby watch. The due date is December 11th. So we will see what happens. Uh, Little girl number two, my next mini profiteer is joining the family. I am excited about that and everything else going on in the world. And and, and I hope you guys are too and, and are doing awesome things as we wrap this year up. So until next time, stay profitable. 